You're listening to part one of a special three-part series we're calling The Watson Takeover, where we join forces with podcasters Amy Watson of Wednesdays with Watson and Marcus Watson of Spiritual Life and Leadership. No relation, y'all. In one mega conversation spread across all three of our podcasts. Enjoy! Hey! Hi. And it's exciting to be here today. This is so <laughs> awesome. I'm pumping that up a little bit more. I know. I mean, it's been in the works for months and months I and months. I know, and months. right? And uh, so here we are. We're sitting here on a epic day. And I'm going to just let you roll in with that and, and just introduce our guest. <laughs> so here's how this works. We're recording three podcasts in one sitting. Woo! And you'll need to pop over to Marcus and Amy's podcast after this one to get a full picture of everyone's testimonies, lessons learned, and inspiration for you around this idea of overcoming various traumas with Jesus at the helm. On our portion, we're focusing on Marcus's story with Amy dropping in additional nuggets. And so she's going to be popping in, making us laugh as much as hopefully Shay and I do sometimes. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're going to be focusing on Marcus. Now, Marcus has a very interesting story. Right. And we're going to have links in the show notes to like, you can listen to his entire account of what's that we're, what we're kind of like cliff noting here, but it, he's a pastor and Marcus, please feel free to correct or elaborate on any of this. Um, and while giving counsel to a woman whose husband had an issue with pornography, apparently he didn't respond in the way the woman thought he should. And based on this dissonance became convinced that Marcus must also have an issue with pornography. This was taken to the church board and ultimately dismissed, but the end result didn't leave everyone feeling warm and fuzzy. So at that point, another woman, one on the board, was not satisfied with Marcus's innocence and came to the conclusion the pornography issue was even deeper. And she got it in her mind that he also possessed child pornography, which at this point, if your stomach's dropping, well, yeah, so was Marcus's. And, um, so again, we're skipping a lot of the details that you're able to hear on the interviews that you can that we are going to have linked in the show notes. Um, so, you know, we're just kind of speeding through this to get to the testimony portion. But, you know, Marcus was cleared of all of this with an investigation by the FBI. And this investigation was not even like well documented. Like Marcus didn't even know. And he'll, he'll, he'll go into this, but it wasn't even clear to Marcus that this was even happening, but it was also a comfort because an official investigation was conducted and he was officially cleared of these charges through forensic analysis of his computer. He also has an accountability partner and apps on his mobile devices since he was a pastor that, you know, would flag anything weird and everything came up clean. And at the end of this, Marcus ended up leaving the church, not the church at all, y'all, but, <laughs> but, um, but the church that he was currently serving at. So the aftermath in Marcus's life, spiritual and otherwise, is the focus of our conversation today. Yeah, you know, when I think of this, I think of poisoned wells. Mm -hmm. um, poisoned wells go back to ancient times, from ancient times to modern day, believe it or not. And when I think of this, it's like, when you think of it on a, on this militant level, mm -hmm. you know, like wars and all this stuff, they would go in, they'd occupy, but then they might pull back and they would actually poison the water wells. 
See, when you poison the water wells, you poison the life. You, you no longer can feed cattle. You can no longer water your crops. You can no longer, you know, even survive as a human being because you have to have water. So this poisoning of the well has a huge effect. And, you know, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Y'all. That's, we know that, that, ain't, that true. ain't true. <laughs> that ain't true. Um, there was, yeah, right. There was no stones thrown physically, right. but there were quite a few stones thrown, mm-hmm. uh, verbally and spiritually. And, and, you know, what I really love about this story is his walkthrough. I love how Marcus has come out of this. And, you know, what we're talking about on the Watson takeover is this victory that we're in. Um, it poison of the wells. It's a type of fallacy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something that really, it had no truth. But by the end of all of this, even being found not guilty, nothing was done. Marcus had to pick up and move because still, because this lady that you were talking about, the elder, right? Yeah. Two different women. Right. Two different women, but she poisoned the well. See, the first one I look at as an accusation. The second one I look at as pretty much libel, slander, written slander, however you want to look at that. Yeah. Um, and, and this is where you get that defamation, right? And it's of character or whatever. And then it goes to this vote and the church votes and I think they Marxist correct me if I'm wrong they voted for you but was marginal right it was like I'll just say that this was over the course of about a year right right and it, it like you said it started out with um this person was sharing with me about her husband's pornography problem mm-hmm. and and she said to someone who then shared with me that what she said uh when I told Pastor Marcus about my husband's pornography problem he didn't react the way I thought he would he must have a problem with right. it too so whatever it was I don't know what it was but something uh, she expected something I don't know and uh and so that's what that's what it was for her right I didn't find out until later who it was like literally like 4 or 5 months later and and let me just say look uh, I've never, uh, it's not like I've never looked at pornography in my life, right? right? Um, I mean, it's so easily accessible, but it's important for me not to. And so I've been in accountability relationships for a long time, accountability software on my computer and all on my phone, right? All my devices uh, and my accountability partner checks. In. Uh, just the other day, I was watching something on uh well, you know, so it, it triggers images and uh, it wasn't it wasn't a nudity or anything, but it was like a, a picture of a guy in a mustache li- lying in a bed on uh, some old 1970s movie I was watching. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this got triggered. What is it? But it blurs it out for him. He can't see the image. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, no, dude, it's not that. I know I, I got a thing about it, too. Right. So anyways, just to say, right. right my accountability is ongoing yeah. because it's important. Right. And it was happening then. And so at the time. I was like, I got, you know, I got nothing to worry about, but part of the challenge was, uh, the, the allegations were not handled appropriately in our denomination. I'm Presbyterian. We have processes right. for everything right. and they didn't follow the process, which left me vulnerable. And that person was able to make the accusation a second time when they didn't like the outcome, mm-hmm. then it became official. And then it was, I was officially declared, well, they don't call it not guilty, but there, you know, there was no evidence to support right. the allegations. Right. But then it got to the church, and then after a few more months, you know, when someone says child pornography, as soon as I heard that that's what someone was saying about me, I was like, well, I guess that's the end of my uh, ministry right. here, right? Because, right. <laughs> right. well, right, people just believe, and and yeah, and I did get voted out of the my my congregation uh, by a margin of two votes. I think a lot of folks were like. Uh, uh, I don't know what's true, but I'm going to play it safe and vote to not have him be here anymore, right. you know. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, but then from there, 
well, things developed and right, you right. Know. You know, yeah. that's, so, so on so, that real quick yeah, yeah, on yeah. that note, welcome. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> oh yeah, we didn't welcome. Thank you. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Welcome, Amy. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is the first time we're doing like yeah. this, this multi point. Yeah, so welcome, y'all. Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's important to set the stage and and just kind yeah. of paint the picture of like, w- just think for a second. What would you do if factually innocent but double accused? Right. And that's kind of where wow. we're at, you know, like we we've heard it. We want you guys to go and hear it because you really need to. But we want to get to the victory. We want to get to what Marcus was about to you know, flow into. He's like, but, you know, you heard that. But, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. even King David, if you look at like Psalm seven, he's talking about how Cush, right, it was throwing accusations about him. And it's like he in the first couple of verses says, oh, Lord, my God, in you, I put my trust. Save me from all those that persecute me and deliver me lest they tear me like a lion rendering me in pieces while there is none to deliver. Yeah. Oh Lord, my God, if you have done this, if yeah. there's iniquity in my hands, if I have repaid evil, we know that that's not where Marcus was at though. Yeah. But see, man, I, I get those Psalms though. Now. <laughs> like, they mean so much more to me. I now bet than you they do. Right. I bet you do. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we're at. You know, like this is where I want to start it. It's like, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who uh, mistreat you. Luke 6, 27, 28. And the Lord has told us to let him take care of vengeance. Hebrews 10, 30. So that is the position we want to hear about. Tell us, uh, Amy, do you got anything to throw in on that? Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, I just, I, I'm in awe. Um, and we're doing this on a Zoom meeting and I'm looking at a man who is not bitter. Uh, and, and, and we're all going to put in our show notes where you can hear his full story. But he's been through some traumatic stuff and his family went through some traumatic stuff. And I am so grateful for the God who is redeeming. And I'm staring at a man on a screen who just loves Jesus and is beaming him. And so I'm loving the conversation. Y'all just keep on. So tell us about how you, the process of getting through it. Yeah. So, uh, gosh, you know, it's so, it's so, um, What's the right, what's the word I'm looking for? It, I mean, it's counterintuitive. It's paradox. It's a paradox, right? That um, healing comes through suffering, which is, uh, but that's, I mean, that's the, what the cross is, right? right? Um, but healing comes through suffering. And if it hadn't been for that experience, I wouldn't have been able to experience the love of God in the way that I did. I'll share one moment um, that, that really meant a lot to me. Um, during the darkest part, uh, really during the first three months of these accusations, and, and I had no idea what was going on. I knew I didn't know if someone had put something on my laptop that triggered this investigation, uh, you know, once once they had started looking at it. And I knew I, I hadn't looked at child pornography, but I, I was afraid. Um, and so I, you know, I, I was on sabbatical, actually, during the first few months. And so I had a lot of time to uh, pray. And, and I did a lot of that. I did a lot of just spending time in scripture and um, silence and solitude. And, and after spending some time in, in scripture one morning, probably one of those Psalms, like what you just read, um, I kind of put my, my Bible down and I just sat there and was reflecting. And I started having these images in my mind and, and I started spiraling into worst case scenarios. And I, I thought, man, I could, uh, I could lose my, uh, my job. And I did eventually. Um, I thought, man, I could lose my reputation, like I- among uh, me and my fellow and Presbyterian. So, our, you know, our pastors are all constantly connected uh, to each other. And uh, but I might be that guy in our presbytery who is, oh, you know, what happened to Marcus? We don't want to be like him. Uh, I could, uh, I could lose my ordination, right? And then I thought, boy, if it looks like I'm guilty of something, I could lose my family. Now, I don't think I actually would have. 
but yeah, that's where my mind was going, right? Uh, and then I started thinking, uh, I could, I mean, I might have to move away from here. Uh, I, I might, then I thought, boy, I could become a registered sex offender. Right. And uh, that, like, wow. that's when I really got scared. And then I thought I could go to prison. Um, if it looks like I'm guilty. And so then, so it's like my mind had gone into the darkest place I could possibly be having lost everything, you know, my, my home, my family, my, my ministry, my career, all that. And, and just with nothing. Right. And then imagining feeling like I was in that place. It's like at that moment, then I heard God say, but Marcus, you will, you will never lose my love for you. Right. You might lose everything else, but you will never lose my love for you. And, uh, um, I tell you what, in that moment, it was like I understood God's love in a way that I had never understood it before. Of course, prior to that, of course, I believe God loved me unconditionally. I knew that, right? And I taught it and I preached it and I told people all the time, God loves you unconditionally. But it wasn't until that moment that I was like, oh, now I get it. It's the only thing. And it's the only thing that mattered in the end. I realized, I mean, maybe I would lose everything, but I would never lose God's Mm -hmm. love. So that was... I mean, in a way, that's the thing that got me through this really difficult time. After my sabbatical, uh, I got I went back to you know uh, church and was preaching on Sundays. <laughs> and it's like uh, I know of other pastors who've gone through difficult times in their churches, and I would always wonder, man, how do they keep going? How do they keep preaching? And for me, it was like. I was just like fired up. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to preach the gospel every Sunday, <laughs> <For you. laughs> you know. And uh, uh, but that, that that didn't make it easier. But I was certainly impassioned because of what I was going through. So then, uh, after I got voted out of my church, I I uh, the thought of of going back into another church felt like throwing myself into a snake pit, you know, and a poisoned well. Um, and I did not want to do that. So I had some. Good people. I did have a, a friend who, um, another pastor who, as soon as this happened, called me up and said, "Hey, you want a guest preach?" And uh, my first thought was, "No way, <laughs> no way." No, uh, and I told you. my wife, and she said, "I think you should do it." And so I did. Found out that I love guest preaching because I can show up <laughs> and go home. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, anyway, there's so that's one of the benefits. But then the other thing that was really a blessing was uh, another friend of mine named uh, Jeff Shu, who was the executive director of an organization called Flourish San Diego, um, a nonprofit you know ministry organization that he had started maybe a, a year or two earlier. Asked me if I'd consider going on staff with them and. Uh, having known Jeff and having known his heart and, and uh, knowing a little bit about what he was doing now with this organization, like it was kind of a no brainer for me. The challenge for me was, um, well, I had to fundraise my own salary. And so that was totally new, but also kind of a blessing because it just got me out of the, I need to please people. You know what I mean? Um, Like in the church kind of thing that it was, it was new. It was good. It was hard. But the best thing about those two years was that I, I could just sort of rest. Like I didn't, I wasn't the main guy. I didn't have to be the pastor. I didn't have to, I could just kind of do what I was called to do in that season um, and heal. Uh, So it was a super healing experience for me um, to be there. And then uh, after a couple of years, it became clear that I wasn't going to be able to fundraise a full salary. So that's, you know, that was part of, (laughs) and that's okay. That was just kind of how God began to move me then onto the next thing. At the same time, I was doing a lot of guest preaching. I started guest preaching for this teeny tiny little church in Westmoreland, California, about two hours east of San Diego, where I live. 
when and they had their pastor had just uh, retired and so they asked me would you consider being our interim pastor i wouldn't have said yes to them immediately after leaving my last church but church but after a couple of years of healing and w- their kindness towards me um it felt like it was the right thing to do and and it has been and so i've been there for a couple of years now and sounds like that well is um not poisonous and filled with all the philippians 4 8 kind of stuff yeah yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's nothing yeah. like like it was before for sure. Um, you know, of course, human beings and there's still things we got to work through. But but you know, it's it, I can go I go with more wisdom than I had before, more clarity, less naivety, maybe. And I'm and I'm able to see my whole my whole sense of what matters in life and in ministry has changed. Uh, I used to worry about how many people are showing up on Sunday, you know, how big is our budget? Do our facilities look impressive enough, you know, or do we, do we have a, an attractional or enough, <clears throat> excuse me, worship service? Is our music cool enough, you know? And all those things now I'm like, uh, all, all that matters is am I doing what I'm called to do? And uh, God will take care of the rest. We had, you know, we had 14 people in church. Uh, we're doing outdoor services during the pandemic, right. you know, socially distanced. 14 people, including myself, a few weeks ago. You know, usually we're around 25 or 30. It's not a lot, but I was like, guys, hey, if we didn't have, you know, if we didn't have to social distance, I'd get us into a circle right now and just do a small group, and we'll do church that way today, which would have been fantastic. And I've done that once, once before. But it's like I don't care about how many people show up. Whoever comes, that's who God wants yeah. there, and I'm gonna. I'm going to serve you however God calls me to serve you right now. And you and, drive two hours to yeah. pastor that church, which was so amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So amazing to me. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting because, you know, our season is unnaturally nourished and we've been planning this for months and months. So we didn't even know what this season was going to be called when we planned it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's so fitting because of the way in which you were brought through and that God led you through to these conclusions that you're in now in this place that a lot of people still can't wrap their heads around. It's very easy. I mean, in the mm. podcasting world alone, metrics are a big stumbling block for a Christian podcaster. You know, there's there's yeah. this Amen. fight, like, how can I not be obsessed with my numbers? And we don't necessarily like to focus on the ways that God unnaturally nourishes us with the bad. Because in the world, mm. it's like, who wants oh, to be nourished with the bad? But God is yeah. a redemptive God. So he will he will use yeah. everything. Romans 8, 28. He will use everything for the good of yeah. those who love him. Yeah, like the like the bad stuff. It, it's kind of like, you know, when you're sick and you and you take the medicine that tastes terrible, but ultimately it heals right. you and it nourishes you. So and and mm. and it's so unnatural for us to want to take the the bitter pill that often leads to this nourishment of our soul. Like you're talking about Michelle. Yeah. It's, it's that negative. It's like the pain of working out to continuously get stronger. You're breaking down your muscles and you're in pain. And the only way to not feel the pain is to keep breaking down the muscles. Shay taught me that just keep working out and you'll never get too sore to move. (laughs) But, but he uses these, these instances to bring you to a place that, ultimately gives you even more to bring to the table. Um, and yeah. it starts with a poison well, which is not a call for everyone to go poison someone's well just to build them up in Christ more. <laughs> right, right. But, <laughs> but it is this yeah. call, like if this has happened to you, gossip and slander are a thing that wrecks people. And that's why the Bible is so yeah. strongly, especially in Proverbs against yeah. it. But if this has happened yeah. to you, don't get lost in that poisoned well 
you have a God that can make that poison mean nothing to you like he did for Paul. Like it doesn't have to be permanently deathly poisonous to you when you focus on the living water that will flow into it until it dilutes the poison away. Right. You know, I was was sitting there with the Hebrews too. You know, it's like he's sitting there saying, you know, I knew God loved me. It's that head knowledge, right? It's mm-hmm. that head knowledge. Yeah, God loves me. Yeah, you know, you, you don't quite get it. Sometimes guys, we're a little, bit, a little slow on that love thing. You know, like, <laughs> like I mean, why, why would God say, you know, husbands love your wives and right. wives respect your husbands? Because we're a little bit slow on that thing. But it's like taking that head knowledge and into heart knowledge. Yeah. And when I was thinking, when he, he was talking about that, it's like Hebrew 4 come up. Eh, excuse mm. me. 4.15. Hebrews 4, right? 15, right? For I do not have a, yeah. a high priest who cannot sympathize, right? With our, with my weakness, I'm gonna say mine, you know, because I want people to understand this is you. It's yeah. it's it's he's speaking to you when he's saying this. It's my weakness. Mm. He he sympathizes with this, and then it takes it one step farther. See, we sit in grace sometimes, and we don't quite understand what grace is, but then we take that grace and we understand that it brings us to this throne, this throne of grace yeah. where it actually strengthens us, and so that yeah. dilution of the living water, right? That dilution bringing yeah. us to that throne of grace, and and then understanding one thing. He sympathizes exactly with us. He, he understands what we're going through. And to be able to make that connection from head knowledge to heart knowledge is huge. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, uh, that what you just said reminds me also where Paul says, right? It, my, uh, my, uh, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and again, right. That's what we, that's what we see in Jesus, right? God's strength was made per- perfect, uh, in Jesus's weakness, uh, uh, not only on the cross, but even just as a human being, right? Right. right. <laughs> um, who who uh, gave up all his power, um, right? And and God can identify with us because of that. And I think when we suffer, we can identify with Jesus mm. it, because of this. I feel like, oh, I understand a little bit more what Jesus went through on the cross, right? And and I think that's why Paul says, "I've been crucified with Christ." Right. Never and I no longer live, but Christ lives mm-hmm. in me. It, it's so it is it's it's total paradox, right? That suffering would lead to healing or that uh, poison would lead to healing. Right, right. right. <laughs> or to nourishment. That or poison to nourishment. can lead to nourishment. Yeah. yeah. And yet somehow that's how paradoxically God works. Or maybe we should say, yeah, God works that way. Uh, and I would say God doesn't doesn't ever cause the healing. But he's so big and so powerful and so good, right, that he can take whatever evil there is in the world. What I experienced was evil. The things that, you know, you guys have been through are evil, but God can take it and somehow bring incredible good out yeah. of it. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that. And I think your surrender, <laughs> I think, I think our surrender to him taking these things, you know, that, that verse yes. in Romans eight twenty eight often gets misquoted and we, we, we don't understand our responsibility right. in it. And it is to go after the nourishment that Shay and Michelle have been talking about on their, on their, uh, in this season, unnaturally nourished, because mm. so often somebody in a position like yours would be tempted to self-medicate or do any number of things um, because basically your identity was completely stripped from you, even though you're called into a royal priesthood and and Mm -hmm. called into this marvelous light, which is what you're talking about, this healing. Mm -hmm. We're called into this marvelous light. But but I love this this idea of suffering and poison Mm -hmm. um, turning into nourishment. Right. Right, Michelle. Yeah, Yeah, not just nourishment, but then on forward into flourishing. Yeah. 
See, it's not yeah, like we just yeah, stop right. in the nourishment. We don't just stop at the fertilizer, but then we grow. Right. And and man, I have yeah. I have sat and watched Marcus, but he says some cool stuff as he's driving. So <laughs> casually, too. I'm like, dude, keep that, man. Get your little phone holder, hit record all the time, man. Uh, right, let us little, ride say along. Say those little blurbs. And, and okay, let us ride along. I'll do it more. It's <laughs> <I'm like, laughs> so funny. Just to see you, um, I think that's what's always like drawn me to is like, to, I've seen this guy who's gone through so much. Like, I mean, some people, hmm. we've gone through things, we've been stripped of things, we've been done with things. But see, when we, we're, we're always thinking in the spiritual, when we're in church, we're always thinking like, this is the natural, this is, this needs to be stripped away. And then you get the guy who's supposed to be the spiritual and everybody questions it. It's like, we're going to strip that away. And it's kind of like this like hmm. void. It's like, whoa, hold up. And yeah. then the bitterness, I'm sure, I'm sure that like, okay, not to put a pastor on, on point, but I'm sure there is something there that you had to fight through as well. Oh, Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, um, I mean, I, yeah, I was mad. I mean, uh, if I hadn't been, that would have been unnatural. Right. <laughs> right. Anger, I mean, and anger is, I don't think it's sinful, right? It's a natural response to injustice, right? And I experienced injustice and I was really angry about that. Um, and I, I didn't forgive people right away. Um, I think I have by now. Yeah, I, I have by now. Um, and the reason I can say that I think is because I don't think about it all the time, right? It doesn't feel like something that's dragging me down. I've, I've forgiven them. I've let it go. I know that those who did this probably have some hurt in their past that tr got triggered in some way, and that led them to making these accusations and so forth. Um, but I was driving one day and I was listening to a podcast uh, with Pete Scazzaro. He wrote Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And one of the best books I read during that dark time that really helped me get through this. But um, he said, you know, he said, are you able to forgive those uh, who've hurt you or something like that? And I was just like, nope. <laughs> I mean, hey, real. <laughs> nope, I have not yet. But then I was like, oh, but I have to. And, uh, you know, and sometimes it starts like that. It's maybe, you know, the right thing to do. And maybe you're a little reluctant at first, but you say, okay, Lord, I know I should forgive. So I'm, I don't totally feel it yet, but I'm going to say the words. All right, Lord, I forgive so-and-so and I forgive so-and-so. And then I would just say it every now and then, you know, and, um, and sometimes it starts like that, I think, right? But that's part Amen. of the surrender thing too. I'm yeah. going to surrender to saying the words, even if my heart isn't totally in it yet. And eventually your heart, God, I mean, God continues to do what he's doing in you and your heart is able to catch up with your words. That's, um, that's actually awesome. And Amy kind of touched on that as well. You know, you hear it all the time, abide in me, walk with me, come to me. You know, it's like, take that step. And it's like, we can be in that season, you know, of whatever feeling we're going through as long as, we're still going to the Father. We're still going to the Son. We're still seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance. And, and I think that's important for people to understand because I know there's a lot of people out there right now that are probably thinking like, man, I just, I'm so horrible. I can't get through it. No, don't, don't lay that burden up on yourself. Lay right. that burden up on the Lord Amen. because the Lord is who's going to yeah. get you through it. But you got to go there. You got to right. go there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the things that I really came out of this experience with was the fact that my primary identity uh, over and above anything else is that I'm God's beloved. Yes. And, and, and it really hit home. Just one of the books I read during this time was life of the beloved by Henry Nowen. Um, and a wonderful book. Everybody should read it. Um, one of the things he says is that when we discover ourselves to be God's beloved, um, it's like, all we want is for everybody else to know that they are God's beloved too. And so, um, I just want you to know, right? You are God's beloved. That's that's 
your primary identity, right? Whatever else you might be, uh, it all comes under the fact that you are God's beloved. And and whatever you're going through, one here's bonus number two. This is just a chapter in your life. This is not uh, right. This is not the end of your life. This is a chapter in your life, and um, it's not the end of your story. And so, uh, anyway, I hope that gives some hope as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Marcus, I love it. Mar- Pastor Marcus Watson, for being here with us today. Um, I think we've just been, man, giving a bunch of beautiful nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, catch up with his episodes. He teaches about spiritual life and leadership. And who better than someone who has come back from death from a poisoned well? <laughs> and, and he throws out some good <laughs> questions on his little look. Check out his group on Facebook if you're on Facebook. He does. He challenges with great questions um, that make you think about just how things work in leadership. Yeah. Hmm. So, guys, I have a question as we lead into the second part of the Watson takeover, um, as we talk about poison wells and identity in Christ. Um, I would love to um, talk to Shay and Michelle as we move on to the Wednesdays with Watson podcast. Um, That is what you would actually look for when you're looking for the podcast. And you do want to hear. And we're doing it in three parts. And so my part is the middle. So what do y'all say? We we, kind of outro you guys out and... uh, put Shay and Michelle in the hot seat on the Wednesdays oh, with Watson great. podcast. Sounds good. Man, I just want to say okay. amen. Like, this has been so good. Yeah. Oh, it's all, the poison well, I'm I'm taking that <laughs> and, and just I and Mark is talking about God loves me and um, and, and that I'm going to just take and, and put in my heart and that's the nourishment that, I, that, I, that I'm grabbing from the pantry podcast and you're unnaturally nourished um, season, which is so amazing by the way so um yeah so make sure you head over to the wednesdays with watson podcast because now we are going to put mr shay watson (laughs) and beautiful bride michelle uh onto the wednesdays with watson podcast and we're going to continue to talk about uh this identity in christ so what say you guys you ready yeah let's go anyone needs a breath or a drink yeah let me real quick i'm gonna stop ours that was good yeah Okay.